On the move is Waddle. Tua. Waddle to the pylon. Touchdown! You're listening to BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Thursday. We can't wait to look forward to the Sweet 16. Our picks are plays for all the games coming up. We have some great guests. Reed Wallach, a bet side at Eddie Gross. We have one right now with us. David Behrman, ESPN Chalk, joining us on the Roman guest line. We got a star. I mean, David is a Miami Dolphins, and you go you go to his Twitter page right now. We're retweeting an NFL <laughs> picture of, of Tyreek in the uh, in the jersey, and Tyreek Hill's a wonderful player. He's yeah. heading to Miami, and now we find out what David thinks the impact is going to be. David, welcome back to the show. Your reaction to the deal: five draft picks to get Tyreek Hill, and then obviously a big contract attached as well. I tell you what, guys, thanks for having me. I, I went to bed two nights ago excited that we got our offensive lineman, an all-pro guy in Armstead. I'm like, all right, two has finally got a, a guy up top that he can block for him, and we already got some running backs, and we got Cedric Wilson and Devontae Parker. Then you wake up yesterday morning, all of a sudden, Dolphins and Jets for Tyreek Hill, and I'm like, well, we're going to win this one. Uh, blown away by the fact that we got Tyreek Hill. I had said on this show, I've said it on other shows all along, that you can't truly judge Tua until you give him weapons to work with and a coach to work with and surround him with the right line. And, I mean, every quarterback needs a line and weapons. There are some who can do more with less. That's also true. But now you got – I mean, you look at what this Dolphins offense is going to be, and and trust me when I tell you guys, for the last 20 years, ever since Dan Marino retired, like, there's been no offense. It's been dink and dunk and boring and three and out, and it's been not the most exciting football to watch. Even if the Dolphins aren't great next year, they're still going to be exciting to watch. When you have two of the fastest players in the NFL in Mostert and Hill, you got Waddle, he's fast as well. They're going to be exciting to watch. Um, and as far as the price is concerned, you mentioned five draft picks, and I'll, I'll be blunt and honest. The Dolphins haven't used draft picks to any success anytime recently other than Jalen Waddle. So if you can't use them, spend them. There's no Tyreek Hill in this draft, so in my mind they just basically drafted Tyreek Hill with the 29 pick in the first round. But you also still have picks. You didn't dump all of all of the future picks that you've collected. So was the first purchase Mike McDaniel coach of the year or Tua MVP? Uh, neither. I just went and doubled down on my <laughs> Dolphins futures that I had at 70 to 1 before it continued dropping. I grabbed it at 50, and then I also grabbed the division price. And while, while the, you know, the Buffalo Bills are still the cream of the crop in that division, the fact that the Dolphins have a legit chance, and they were plus 340 at one point yesterday, I did grab a division price before it continued to move as all these things move whenever you have trades. Um, not going to go with two for MVP. He's not there yet. Let him at least complete a season first. Uh, Coach of the year is not a bad one. Um, haven't yeah. seen that market up much, but that's not a bad one. If the Dolphins can turn around and somehow win the division, he could easily win Coach of the Year. No, I, I was really just messing with you there. But but yeah, we have seen it from the first coach. I think that's going to be a popular play. Uh, you know, in the AFC, when you looked at the divisions, the quick reaction was, okay, this one's up for grabs. We got competitiveness over here. And then you would look to the East and most people would say, okay, that's all the bills. Okay, where's the competition yep. going to be based on the way that we saw Mac Jones at the end of the season? But now, is that up for debate? What, what do you think about the outlook for the AFC East? 
I mean, I think it's a lot closer than what it appeared to be. You're absolutely right. All the other divisions seem to be up for grabs, and everybody was kind of be like, all right, this is just going to go to Buffalo. And, you know, call it what it is. As long as New England has Bill Belichick on the sidelines, they're not going to be a pushover. Um, but I do think the Dolphins are in play here. They, they did sweep New England and Mac Jones last year. Uh, but the big thing is they, they haven't been able to beat Buffalo in what seems like a decade. Um, they're going to have to get over that hump because not only have they lost to Buffalo, they've lost to Buffalo badly in every game they've played them in the last couple of years. So he ha- Tua has to stay healthy. The line has to be good. But they have all the weapons. And I do think the division is going to be more competitive than it's, than it's been in years because New England owned it for 20 years and then Buffalo owned it last year. Um, you know, and, and obviously the, the Jets are not in play because they're continuing to rebuild what looks like 30 years now. Uh, but I do think that there's the availability there that with a new coach, a new style, and some weapons that this is a Dolphins team that was still competitive last year and won 10 games the year before. So I think there is a chip and a share there. What about the AFC West? Um, we've seen all of those teams make some moves. Um, don't know what the Chiefs are going to do in terms of what they're going to add yet, but how do you see that division shaping up? Aaron, to be honest, when you, when you shake up the entire league, when this is all said and done, I think the, the, the story of the offseason has to be the AFC West, considering you got Russell Wilson there now, you got Devontae mm-hmm. Adams there now, and you're right about the Chiefs. Like I don't see the Chiefs being nearly as good as they were without Tyreek Hill. And, you know, I know they went and got Juju Smith, but you look at some of the stats that were out there yesterday that what the Chiefs have, have done with Tyreek on and off the field, you know, 82% of their touchdowns have occurred with Tyreek Hill on the field in some capacity. That's hard to, to make up for. And I think now that the Chiefs, the Bills coming due for the fact that they gave Pat Mahomes a, a record contract two years ago and they can't afford anybody else, they're still going to be the Chiefs. They still got Andy Reid. They have a dynamic offense. Um, Everyone's like forgetting about the Chargers for a minute. They got Justin Herbert and and just a slew of offensive weapons. I think this year's NFL, like the AFC West, is going to be fascinating to watch because you know you got Russell Wilson now. You know you can't forget about the Raiders with Devontae Adams and and, and all their weapons they have there with Waller. Um, it, it's totally up for grabs. I would give the early lean to the Chargers right now just because I think they're the best all around team in that division now that the Chiefs don't have Tyreek Hill. David, which uh, future is more interesting to you after a couple of big quarterback trades in the last week? The Cleveland Browns landing Deshaun Watson, uh, obviously a very high-level quarterback, but we don't know if there's a suspension or how long the suspension is going to be and how he looks after a year of not playing. They're 18-1 to to win the Super Bowl right now. Or the Colts landing Matt Ryan 24-1, to easier division. Obviously, Ryan isn't as good uh, and as dynamic as Watson, but a different kind of path there. Which of those futures is most interesting to you? Colts twenty four to one, Browns thirteen to one, uh, excuse me, eighteen to one to win the Super Bowl. I, this might surprise you, but I would even hesitate, and I'd go on the Colts. You know, I'm not buying the Browns yet with Watson. We don't know if he's going to play one game, two games, sixteen games, or no games. Um, I think that division is is much more difficult than what the Colts have facing. I mean, you still have a if Lamar Jackson comes back healthy. Uh, people forget that, oh, by the way, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals won that division last year and went to the Super Bowl that people quickly forget because it's the Bengals. And, you know, don't sleep on the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I think actually upgraded at quarterback, even though I don't love Mitchell Trubisky. But as long as you got, you know, as long as, long as you have Mike Tomlin on the sideline, that team's going to win seven, eight, nine games every single year. So I'm not buying anything to do with the Browns until I know Deshaun Watson is actually, A, going to play, and B, 
is going to have no rust considering he hasn't thrown the football in over a year, which people seem to forget he didn't play at all last year. As far as the Colts are concerned, the Colts were a playoff team last year. I know they didn't make the playoffs because they decided week 18 against Jacksonville was a bye week for them, but that cost them a playoff spot. They could have won the division, and they actually should. They would. I still consider them a playoff team, and if the only thing you're really doing is swapping out Carson Wentz for Matt Ryan, that's a win. So I actually like the Colts. I think they'll be very competitive with the Titans. You saw last year that division went down to the last couple of weeks of the season. The Colts easily could have taken it. They got a good coach. They have a good defense. And I think, uh, I think the Colts give the Titans a run this year as long as Matty Ryan is staying healthy and he still has an arm to throw it. David, let's uh, transition over to some NBA stuff and the awards market. Now, the odds would tell us that there are a number of awards that are already set. And it's funny, this year I find myself disagreeing with a lot of that. Like John Morant, most improved player. I just highly disagree with the award, but it, it seems like it's going his way and a lot of the voters want to make sure that he gets an award since it's not going to be the MVP uh, this season for job. But we were talking about the coach of the year yesterday. And right now, Monty Williams is minus 2,000. However, you have teams at the top of the East that are involved, Spolstra, is plus 700. Taylor Jenkins as a two seed right now in the West. Nobody was expecting that. J.B. Bickerstaff, I mean, think Cleveland hit their win total in the first five weeks of the season. Like, it was ridiculous. Was it even before New Year's when they ended up going over their win total? We were talking about Udoka. When, if you shop around, you can find uh, the Celtics head coach at 40 to 1. Anything interests you in coach of the year? I actually agree with you. I don't think it's, it's a done deal. I know Monty Williams is the odds-on favorite, and they have the top team in the league. And if you're going to give it to the coach of the top team in the league, then they'll go to Monty Williams. But if you actually look at teams where I really think the coaches have made a big difference, and I wish this interview was before 8 o'clock yesterday, I would have given the award to Eric Sprolstra before I saw a war go on on the, <laughs> on the Heat bench, which might cost him. And I am a Heat fan, but I think what's, what Sprolstra has done with the Heat this year is, is nothing short of magnificent, which is why Pat Riley has – such good trust in him. Um, but a little, if I was going to, I would take the Celtics coach right now because I think that's a team that even though they have star power, they were struggling early and Doka has done a fantastic job with them. And it's funny because I went to a Celtics Grizzlies game a couple of weeks ago in Boston and saw Jenkins and Doka. And I'm like, either one of these coaches could easily be coach of the year. So what they've done. Cause when you think about the Western conference, you don't think Memphis Grizzlies is the number two seed. So he's done a fantastic job there. I'd probably have them one, two right now. And one guy I wouldn't sleep on if they can turn it around. And I know I'm a little biased here, but if the Chicago Bulls can turn it around, I think Billy Donovan should have some votes for coach of the year because the Chicago Bulls who spent most of the first half of the season in a top two spot in the East is not a team you expected to be in a top two spot in the East. So if they turn it around and actually finish one or two in that division, I find it hard to believe that Billy D wouldn't be a candidate for coach of the year and you can get him 30 to 40 to one right now, but he'd have to, they're in a little bit of a slump and he'd have to turn it around. What about when you look at the West, it seems like it's the Suns, and then which other team is really going to threaten them come playoff time. We had looked at the Timberwolves at 55 to one. Um, I'm seeing them now at 21 to one on FanDuel. I don't see anybody beating the Suns right now, but if I had to pick a team, it would either be the Warriors or the Grizzlies. We just talked about Memphis a minute ago. As long as John Moran is healthy and on the floor, I think they're a fantastic team that can score with anybody. And obviously you don't ever want to discount the Warriors who have been here before, won here before, 
but there's a lot of health concerns there. I mean, they sat out half their team last night in Miami, uh, but I do think it's a, it's a three-team race between the Suns and a healthy Warriors team and a healthy John Morant. Those are the three teams. I, I like the Timberwolves, good point, but I also don't think they're nearly as good as those other three teams. And the other team would obviously be Utah. Uh, Utah has been there before, but they've also, you know, tend to, to lose a series or two that they shouldn't. So I would still go with Suns, Warriors, or Grizzlies. David, we're about two weeks away from the Masters. It's never too early to, to throw out some thoughts on that. Where's your mind right now uh, on the Masters, and, and who are you thinking uh, two weeks out? Well, I already have some long-term plays on Cam Smith. I took it actually before he won in Hawaii and before he won a few weeks ago. So got good value on Cam Smith at 40-1. to 1. And, and just the other night, I took a stab at Victor Hovland at about 18-1. to 1. Other guys I was looking at before yesterday – uh, Paul Casey is someone I thought could finally win that, that elusive major that he's come so close to. Of course, he withdrew yesterday of his first-round matchup with a bad back, so maybe he rests up for the major. Um, and then those are some of the guys I'm looking at, and I think Justin Thomas is playing well enough to win this. Uh, he just got to get the putter working because that's obviously very, very important in Augusta. Uh, but I think a guy like Cam Smith has the game to get it done, which is why I'm happy I have him at 40-1 to 1 that I took back in January. Man, David, what what a time on the sports calendar. We're going over all this madness in the NFL. What's going on there? And we're talking about the the final stretch in the NBA regular season playoffs right around the corner. Masters almost here. Oh, by the way, we've got uh, Sweet 16 games over the next couple of nights. Anything that you're looking at in these Thursday-Friday matchups? I think you're going to see some some surprises tonight. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I know Texas Tech is favored and it's Coach K could be his last game, but I think Texas Tech takes out Duke tonight. I would not be at all surprised to see Houston knock off Arizona. If Houston plays the defensive game that they can play, I think they can beat Arizona. Uh, you'll probably see the favorites win the first two in Gonzaga and Villanova. I don't expect much out of the 7 o'clock slate, but I think you're going to see some some upsets to Duke and Arizona in the night slate, at least for tonight. And then, you know, it's fascinating to watch what St. Peter's does. And I know you get to see them on Friday. You can absolutely beat Purdue. And then you have the, the, the epic UCLA-North Carolina game. And I think UCLA, who was in the Final Four last year, um, is, is a team to win that region um, and potentially win the whole thing. Is there anything else that you like for the weekend? Sorry, I thought we were out of time. I wasn't sure if we had enough oh. room for another question. <laughs> um, I, I'm watching the Accenture match play. I'm not sure how many other people are with the NFL and much man is going on, but um, I do like the, the, the – I'm one of the few people who actually enjoys the match play in the golf. I just think it's a fascinating format that I'm glad they switched to um, round-robin play for a few days and then the bracket comes out uh, – the, the, the round of 16 because – it gives everybody three shots to play. So I'm, I'm going to be watching the match play, and I have a couple of guys in there. Obviously, Casey didn't work out, but I have Kisner, Bubba Watson, and Sergio Garcia are guys I'm watching this week. Great stuff. David, we always appreciate hopping on. Good luck this weekend, and uh, enjoy the uh, the Tyree Kill experience. That was David Barron on the Roman Guest Line. Get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for EDL from the comfort and privacy of your home. Go to GetRoman.com slash BetQL now to get $15 off your first month. That's GetRoman.com slash BetQL. On the other side, we'll dive into some NCAA props, team matchups, and uh, the props that we have on tap for the Sweet 16 moving forward in the NCAA tournament. That's next right here on the BetQL Network.
These Joes are helping you bet like a pro. It's Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth on BetQL Daily from BetQL.